You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. If you would like to learn how to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com slash writing excuses. Season 18, Episode 13. This is Writing Excuses. Finding the Core Conflict. Fifteen minutes long. Because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Mary Robinette. I'm Dongwan. I'm Aaron. I'm Dan. And I'm Howard. No, you're not. <laughs> um, we're going to be talking about I was about conflict. to try to quote the argument sketch from Monty Python, <laughs> and I just didn't have the piece I needed. So, well, see, uh, my mind went to I demand that he may or may not be Howard. Yeah, <laughs> that is correct. I was just going to say world star, but. <laughs> <laughs> so, when we're talking about conflict, it can come in a bunch of different ways, but it is the, the form. That, that most people think about. It can be fights or disagreements or struggles. And these are all easy to teach because they're usually external um, and you have a clear set of beats. You know, you've got the setting up of the conflict, you have the try-fail cycle, you have the consequences, and then you have the resolution where the character d- gets or does not get the thing that they're looking for. But when we're thinking about that, like how are ways that we can build conflicts that are more interesting that that are doing a good job of ramping tension up and as uh, to quote Aaron from from much earlier uh, that, that readers or to paraphrase Aaron that readers experience tension and only characters experience conflict so how do we get the readers to feel tense about the characters conflict so i i want to start by reiterating something we touched on early on uh which is that Tension, and and in our case now conflict, only really matters to you if you're invested in the characters who are a part of it. This is why a solid 60 to 70% of every horror novel is just slice of life of this person and what they're doing and what they care about and what's important to them. Uh, Because if we don't have that grounding and we don't love them and we're not invested in their survival, then whatever conflicts they experience won't mean anything to us. 
as a tension tool, uh, conflict, if we can see the conflict coming before they can, um, you know, the old math problems about, you know, a train leaves Chicago at this time, a train leaves Nashville at this time, uh, going this speed, where will they meet? Oh, by the way, both trains are on the same track and can't stop. Um, well, now suddenly the math problem has tension in it because we want to find out how to stop the trains or what's going to happen when they collide. We have these two conflicting, you know, irresistible force versus immovable object, and they're going to meet. This is what drives a ton of Westerns, right? You know at some point that the gunslinger and the sheriff are going to draw down, right? And the question is, when's that happening? When? How are we going to get to that point? So that knowing that that conflict is there and building up the terms of why are they going to fight? What is at stake here is so much what drives a great Western is knowing all the backstory, all the trauma, all the history between these characters that is going to lead to this standoff. I mean, samurai films, same structure. Yeah. I also think that having like an emotional weight and some depth to the conflict is really important. You know, what are the reasons that this particular person wants this thing? Um, it's not just that it's a thing and it's cool, but maybe they have some emotional tie to it or it filled some need that they don't even realize that they have. It's another reason that I really like it when two opposing parties are in conflict, not because they just want to oppose each other, but because they want the same thing for different legitimate emotional reasons. And that's what really drives their conflict. So it doesn't feel like conflict for conflict's sake. It feels like you're invested in their emotional journey and therefore you're invested in what they want out of it. Or in, in taking that another way is when they both want the same thing, but have totally different plans for how to get there. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and that sometimes is drive, driven by their, their own emotional state. And sometimes it's just that, you know, like I, I tend to solve things by saying, let's turn it into a show. <laughs> Can we theater our way out of this? And, and someone else is going to look at it and say, well, that's, that's silly. Let's, let's math our way out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, this is like Black Panther and Killmonger, right? They they both want the same thing for the future, but they have such different visions of how to get there. And so it becomes a question of methodology. It becomes a question of how you execute those things, your ethics there. Also, hashtag Killmonger was right. But, you know, it it, it <laughs> is like interesting questions. And sometimes that leads to the most interesting conflict, not do we think this obviously moral thing should happen? It's how do we actually do that? How do we get there, right? Um, how do we get from this future or this present to that future? And those are the conflicts that I, on a bigger scale, not necessarily on an interpersonal emotional scale, get much more interested in intellectually and emotionally. So this conversation is much wider than just action scenes, but... I want to talk a little bit about action scenes, whether it's a fight or a war or a car chase or whatever, because most of the time I find those to be incredibly boring. And the reason is, is because I know who's going to win. Um, It's rare that a, a fight scene will justify itself as more than just a display of people punching or shooting at each other, uh, because the outcome is rarely ever actually in question. And so if you are going to do some kind of action scene, 
I find it really useful to do um, a show me something that I've never seen before. This is why like a Jackie Chan or a Tony Jaw fight scene is so much more compelling than a lot of the other ones because they are doing something I've never seen in a way I've never seen. Or B, uh, use that action scene as a way to explore character in, you know, to demonstrate something intrinsic about these people that I wouldn't be able to see in any other way. Or B, just make sure that there's some actual uncertainty that maybe the characters involved might actually die, even though they're on the poster or, you know, however you do it, so that there's still some tension, some uncertainty, and some investment in what is otherwise a fairly rote exercise. Mm-hmm. Wes Chu, when we had him on, um, talked about fight scenes as being a conversation. That the conversation is basically, I want this thing. You want a different thing. How do we how do we work that out? Which of us is going to get the thing? And uh, and and I've always felt like that was a, a really a useful way to think about it structurally because conversations have an arc and and fight scenes can have an arc. The really well-constructed ones uh, have, have an arc and that, that conflict is, you know, that uh, is that exchange between them. So let's take a moment and pause for our thing of the week. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Dawn of Everything by David Graeber and David Wengro. This is uh, nonfiction and and huge and brilliant. And I'm going to go ahead and read the uh, the blurb that 
one of my other favorite nonfiction authors wrote about it, uh, Nassim Taleb. This is not a book. It is an intellectual feast. There's not a single chapter that does not playfully disrupt well-seated intellectual beliefs. It is deep, effortlessly iconoclastic, factually rigorous, and pleasurable to read. This is a, it begins with a deconstruction of the 19th or 18th century question, what are the origins of societal inequality? And it takes that question and says, why were they even asking that? A better question is, what is the origin of the question, what are the origins of societal inequality? What they arrived at, in a nutshell, is 18th century, 17th, 17th through 19th century Europe colored our perception of human history in such a way that we've been misinterpreting pre-human history, prehistory of humans badly. And most of the book is devoted to looking at the new research and telling new stories about primitive peoples in ways that make way more sense than the ones that uh, Rousseau and the others were looking at. And I know that sounds kind of uh, heavy and heady and maybe not fun, but Nassim Nicholas Taleb is right. It is pleasurable. It is glorious. It is humorous. It is, it is eye-opening. It is fun. The Dawn of Everything by David Graeber and David Wengrow. One thing I wanted to talk about as we're talking about conflict that I don't want to lose sight of, I generally agree with everybody that, you know, character development, all those things are incredibly important. And that's what generally you need around conflict. But I also don't want to lose sight of the fact that conflict itself can be really fun, right? Mm -hmm. And a scene involving conflict is often the meat of certain types of stories, right? I really love action movies. I love, you know, uh, uh, kung fu movies, things like that. And executing an action scene incredibly well, it should be revealing of character. You should learn stuff about the world. There should be advancement of story, but also just executing on the thing itself is its own joy. Seeing a good argument unfold on screen between two characters. You know, one example I think of is Hereditary. The most thrilling scene in that very upsetting movie to me is just Tony Collette at the dinner table yelling at her family. And it's this moment of just pure like terror and excitement as she finally lets loose. And it is this conflict that's happening in this moment, but it's just hearing, seeing her face and hearing her language, or, you know, I think of various fights, like the, all the John Wick movies, right? The conflict in the, 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 the tension in those movies is incredibly basic, which is will John Wick get revenge on the people who killed his dog? I'm not spoiling anything. That's the plot of the whole first movie and sort of <laughs> the plot for three more movies, right? And the, the joy of those movies is watching this guy beautifully, athletically murder a billion people over the course of several hours. And, you know, so do you guys have thoughts in terms of how to make sure your conflict, whether it's a physical conflict, an argument, whatever it is, is satisfying in its own right, beat for beat, style for style. I do, and I think we're going to talk about it in the next episode where we talk about microtension. Yeah, it does overlap with that. I can see that. You've got that whole big conflict, and there can be smaller conflicts that are being explored, resolved, as, as we are going forward with the big obvious one. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, a, a short answer I can give right now is kind of what I said earlier. Uh, what, what you're talking about is is my point about showing me something I've never seen. I've seen right. a million car chases, but until Fast and Furious Five, <laughs> I think I don't think I'd ever seen a car chase where they were dragging a bank vault behind them on the street. Uh, there's always ways to add something new and dynamic uh, that really takes it to another level. Mm-hmm. For for me, it, it gets to the uh, it goes back to that emotional thing, um, or I say that it gets, you know, as if there's a single answer and there's multiple of them. Um, but a lot of times what I find myself reverting to is the idea of objective and super objective, that there's this big, deep character want or need that's in the middle of them, and that the conflicts that they're going through are a series of objectives, each of which is targeted to trying to solve, to fill that super objective in them. So a super objective is a, a very large thing like safety, security, love, um, and uh, revenge. Um, and then the, the objective is the, the specific action that you're going after. Sometimes I will see conflicts and they don't seem to emotionally link back to whatever, whatever gaping hole the character has. Sometimes we call this the tragic character flaw. But but I, I find that if if I can if I can link it back to that, can draw a link between the objective super objective, that allows me to have a series of conflicts that are also linked and also escalating in a way that is interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, this is not going to answer that question at all. Not to cause conflict on our conflict. <laughs> so, <laughs> something that I just find really fascinating about conflict is the inherent agreement in it. So mm. to think back mm. to uh, Killmonger and Black Panther, they may disagree about a lot of things, but they definitely agree that single hand-to-hand combat is the way that one should determine who gets to rule your kingdom. Like, they, they, there's a certain baseline in a lot of conflicts. Like, this is something that we should solve by violence. Or these are, like, a well-placed, you know, bon mot is the way to get under the skin of your opponent in, like, maybe more of, like, a Jane Austen type of novel. And what I think is really interesting is thinking about where do the people involved in the conflict agree, at least on the ground rules, and what Mm. that conflict should be composed of? And then either leaning into that, so showing it at its, like, most extreme, fast and the furious level, or that can also be a way of keeping it interesting if they kind of disagree on what the ground rules are. If somebody gets the rug pulled out from under them because the way the conflict was happening turns in a way that they weren't expecting. You just made me think of a thing, Erin, which is um, something we talk about so frequently in other episodes, which is uh, the consequences of something. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if if it's the uh, if you've got someone who's coming in and they believe that it's that the way to deal with something is with the the, the crushing bon mot, but they are facing someone who believes that the way you deal with it is by pulling out a rapier, that that, that that's a consequence. Um, and then me and the mice quotient, frequently conflicts are built uh, around events that it's a, it's a disruption of status quo. So uh, often if you can have, if you can, can have the conclusion of, of conflict A, be creating the problem, creating the status quo disruption that becomes the problem that conflict B must solve, that you can again, 
have that linking. And I think that an interesting way to do it would be to bring two people who do not agree on the rules of engagement together. It's not the only way, but I'm like, oh, that's an interesting thing to play with. When we prepared for this episode, um, Aaron asked the question, uh, what are the emotional needs that are underlying a person's investment in the conflict? And I keep coming back to that because just in my own life, when I'm feeling a thing, when I'm, you know, angry or conflicted about a thing, um, the first step I take, and okay, I'm 54, I've been living inside this skull, this meat frame for quite a while, maybe this is, you know, 400 level stuff, but the first thing I do is ask myself, what am I really angry about? Mm-hmm. What is the underlying, what is the underlying emotional state here? Am I reacting non-linearly? Am I going ballistic over something that should be, you know, perhaps a little less uh, hyperbolic in nature? Um, the characters in our stories, uh, it, it's probably not super interesting if they all do that before getting in a fight, because then maybe there wouldn't be a fight at all. But then again, if they have those discussions with themselves after the fight, if they have those discussion with themselves during the fight, so that we are exploring those emotional states, exploring the changes to those states, exploring how the consequences of the fight might alter those states. Um, now we're invested because that's a thing. Um, I mean, I, I've said this before. Fiction is a tool by which we can make the world better. And if your action scene accidentally teaches people to question their motives, before getting in a fight, I think you've performed a public service. Well, speaking of performing, it is time to perform some homework. So for our homework assignment. I think Aaron's got this one. Aaron's got this one. Oh, look at that. Uh, I do have this one. Um, and in this one, it is, and it's a perfect segue from what Howard was just talking about, which is to write uh, a conflict twice and each time change the POV character's uh, underlying emotional need. So have them need one thing in the first version of the scene and something completely different emotionally in the second version and see how that scene changes for you. This has been Writing Excuses. You're out of excuses. Now go write. Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. For this episode, your hosts were Mary Robinette Kowal, Dong Wan Song, Aaron Roberts, Dan Wells, and Howard Taylor. This episode was engineered by Marshall Carr Jr. and mastered by Alex Jackson. For more information, visit writingexcuses.com. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.